I want to say as clearly as we can, we are not powerless in the face of these threats. We are not bystanders in this ongoing attack on democracy. There are far more Americans, far more Americans, from every background and belief, who reject the extreme MAGA ideology than those that accept it. And folks, it's within our power, it's in our hands, yours and mine, to stop the assault on American democracy. Welcome to How We Win, the official podcast of The Persistence. 63 days until the most important election of our lives. Action is the best antidote for anxiety, and we can all make a difference right now. This week, we saw some more momentum from Democrats heading into the midterms in some unexpected places. And Biden, our president, gave a historic speech about the soul of our nation and the threat to our democracy that the MAGA Republicans pose. I'll talk about how we can keep these messages going. And then I have an inspiring conversation with Santiago Mayer, a Gen Z leader who is activating young people all over the country with his incredible organization, Voters of Tomorrow. You won't want to miss that. I'm Steve Pearson, and this is How We Win. Rolling solo right now, and uh, I'm so excited, first of all, for everyone to hear Santiago. Uh, He is a young leader who started this incredible organization, Voters of Tomorrow. One of the uh, Gen Zers who is really leading the charge in organizing and and being really effective. Uh, So I can't wait for you all to hear what he has to say. But first, one of the big news items of the week was Biden's Soul of America speech in Philadelphia in front of Independence Hall. Uh, I can't tell you how important and affirming it is to hear the right messaging coming from the top. I want to talk a little bit about some of the words he said and why it's effective because he's using a lot of the messaging that um, Dan Pfeiffer talks about, that Anat Shinkorosario talks about, um, and it's purposeful and effective like this. I believe America is at an inflection point, one of those moments that determine the shape of everything that's to come after. And now... America must choose to move forward or to move backwards. That's the statement of purpose that we should all be feeling in our hearts right now. And I know that you, our listeners, are. This is, once again, the most important election of our lifetime. And we see the threat to our democracy very real. Even uh, once we get through this election, there are those who will still deny its results and will be fighting its results. And this is an inflection point. Let me get to the next thing he said. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards, backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, 
to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. This is just straight up facts. We know this because they've said it out loud. And if our president isn't willing to call that out and say that in a speech like he did, then we're in big trouble. But we're not in big trouble because he did that. And uh, and I'm very grateful. So that gives us full reign to use this important messaging to talk to voters about what is at stake in this election. And then here's the final point uh, that he really laid into. He made it clear. Of course, they, uh, the Republican media, um, Fox and, and all that, they, they omit this part of the speech whenever they're talking about this because they're all up in arms about how uh, he's uh, being divisive and he's calling Republicans all evil and, and threats to democracy. He was very, very clear uh, about that. And here's what he said. Now, I want to be very clear, very clear up front. Not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. I know because I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans. But there's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. So the reason why this is so important that he phrased that this way uh, and that he made the distinction, the clear distinction between MAGA Republicans and regular Republicans. Now, the Republican Party has been completely hijacked, as he said, by this group. They're intimidated by them and they're dominated by them. Um, and this is the base of the Republican Party right now, the MAGA Republicans. But when you talk about this and when you talk about this on social media and if you are, are with friends and family, it's really important to make this distinction because we need to give Republicans who uh, don't identify as fascists, they don't uh, approve of Donald Trump, we need to allow them the space to uh, support Democrats in, in races. And they are. We're seeing Republican women, especially in the wake of Roe versus Wade being repealed, supporting Democrats. Uh, we saw it in Kansas with this overwhelming turnout in the referendum on the woman's right to choose. So um, this is uh, very effective and important to make this distinction, even though in my heart <laughs> it can be difficult to do because uh, at this point I feel like if you're a Republican and you're okay with the direction the Republican Party's going in, um, it's hard for me to have a conversation with you. Um, but we know that this, you know, really making that distinction of MAGA Republicans and uh, and not making a blanket statement about the entire Republican Party is effective right now and really important. So that's the messaging from the top. Uh, it's in stark contrast from the Trump speech, of course. Uh, I can't believe that someone being investigated for espionage, violating the Espionage Act, was found hundreds of classified documents in their beach club is actually running around making speeches for candidates right now. But that's what Trump did. He made a speech in Pennsylvania calling the FBI vicious monsters, uh, denigrating the Department of Justice. Of course, of course, because he's in big, big trouble. Um, but you don't see um, a lot of outrage from Republicans about his rhetoric. You never have, of course. 
we we have the right messaging from the top. Our job now is to emulate and amplify this messaging. As I said, it is strategic, it is effective, and it is the truth. So um, get out there on social media, share this message, talk to your friends and family. And uh, we saw that recent NBC poll that showed that the top issue facing voters right now is no longer the economy, but it is threats to our democracy. That's the top issue. So um, lean into this messaging. We really need it. Um, the next news item that I wanted to talk about uh, last Tuesday, of course, right always after we stop recording this show uh we won the sole congressional seat in alaska upsetting sarah palin's bid to cling on to some kind of relevance uh, democrat mary patola will represent alaska in the house after winning the special election that was determined by a ranked choice voting which um i would love to have someone on to talk more about ranked choice voting it's been very effective uh in a lot of states it's the first time alaska has employed it um so for another podcast we'll get into that but she will be the first alaska native in congress so congratulations to mary Peltola, um, a, a huge win. Peltola, who was a former state lawmaker, edged out Sarah Palin, who, of course, you know, was the former Alaska governor and the 2008 Republican vice president nominee in a very Republican Alaska by three percentage points. This, by the way, is also my reason for hope. This second news item is combined with my reason for hope because uh, we were tracking a lot of elections. We were working very hard and thank you to all of you all who made phone calls for Pat Ryan in New York's special election. Another huge win and bellwether to get that special election and to hold on to that Democratic seat. Um, in a district that had been redistricted and was a lot harder for us to hold on to. But honestly, I don't know who was working on this Alaska race. I know a lot of people were. Maybe you were if you're listening. But it was definitely not like a frontline race that a lot of us were paying attention to because it was such a long shot. And uh, Sarah Palin very sadly looked to um, be re-entering uh, political life in, in this congressional seat. And she lost by three percentage points. It's a huge bellwether and uh, and really powerful also not for nothing alaska has two senators of course every state does republicans lisa murkowski and dan Sel sullivan represent them but just the one congressional seat because democracy right it doesn't make any sense um I would love to get a couple more Democrats into the Senate this midterm election, get rid of the filibuster, pass D.C. statehood, and start having the Senate look more like a representational body, which it is not right now. Um, okay, so what can we do uh, about this last news item? Uh is going to be running again, also against Sarah Palin, this November for the new full term. So she was completing this term. She's going to run again uh, for the full term in November. She will need our support to hold on to this seat. So um, we got to look at that. It's a uh, kind of a surprise addition to our congressional map and really important that we hold on to that seat.
Okay, so that's it from the news. It's weird for me to be talking like that without interruption. I kind of like it, but I really don't. Um, let's talk about this week's to-do list. Last week, we talked about checking your voter registration as our to-do list and, uh, and making sure that your friends and family are, are uh, registered to vote as well. Um, we told you to go to vote.org to do that. It's a great place to do that. We encourage people to continue to do that important work. Um, there was a notice from Fair Fight in Georgia that voter rolls are being purged there. That's happening in other Republican-controlled states. So um, we really need to do that. Also, uh, we're going to hear from Santiago uh, in just a minute, but I want to encourage everyone to go to votersoftomorrow.org. Sign up there if you are a young person, a Gen Zer, or, uh, or have young people in your life, just like I do. I have a 20-year-old daughter. Encourage them to sign up and, and find a group near them and get involved. They are so effective at getting young people involved. I'm not going to talk about it anymore because Santiago is coming up. Lastly, the How We Win Fund is doing great thanks to you and all of your donations. Uh, keep it up. Keep sharing it. We have a goal to hit 50000 We are over uh, 38000 right now. It's just incredible what you all are doing. It's so important. It's constantly updated. I was very happy to see a couple of California congressional races added to it from our friends at Swing Left just recently. So you can go to howwewinfund.org and make a donation. Share that with your friends. Okay, that's it. I'm so happy to bring in someone else for you to hear another voice other than my own for today's show. Uh, so please stick around for my interview with Santiago Mayer. Voters of Tomorrow was founded in 2019 by then 17-year-old Santiago Mayer, an immigrant from Mexico. Santiago noticed a lack of political engagement at his high school and decided to tackle that by creating a new organization for young people by young people, which has grown into an organizing force that is registering and engaging young people across the country. He's currently the executive director and chairman of the board. Santiago, it's great to see you, and thanks so much for joining me today. It's so great to see, to see you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, as I said just now in the intro, you started Voters of Tomorrow at your high school because you weren't seeing a lot of political engagement among your peers. What got you engaged in politics? What first got you started? Yeah, so in Mexico, uh, I moved to the U.S. after eighth grade. I didn't do ninth grade, but sort of what would have been my freshman year in high school. Uh, I had just moved from Mexico, and Mexico had done a lot of all United Nations, and I was like very mm. in tune with international politics, and it was something that I was very interested in. And obviously moving to the U.S. in 2017, it was in the middle of the Trump administration, and it was during the time where he was talking about the Muslim ban. So obviously that is something that had very large sort of geopolitical implications. And it was something that as a sort of United Nations nerd, model UN kid, <laughs> I wanted to talk about. So I kept trying to bring it up in class. I kept trying I'm a, to I'm start a UN United model United Nations nerd too from back in high school too. I also did that. There we get but now I know who I'm talking to after the interview. <laughs> yeah, uh, I loved it. 
but yeah so I, I kept trying to bring it up with my classmates and with my friends and i realized that a lot of them many of them simply didn't know that it was happening and the majority of them who knew that it was happening simply didn't have the tools to talk about it so uh i started tweeting and just that because that's my life i started tweeting <laughs> and over the following years i sort of built an audience on twitter and as we were approaching the 2020 election, I really decided that I had built an audience over this specific problem and that I should probably tap into it to help solve it and make sure that not only were we kicking Trump out of the White House, but we were also building this new political force of energized young people who were not only politically aware, but were politically educated and had a voice in government because the other problem that we had faced all of this was the people who maybe wanted to get involved simply didn't feel represented so we wanted to solve all of it and i had this newfound platform so i decided to tap into it star wars of tomorrow and we have done a lot of work i've, I've aged like 15 years <laughs> in the past three well for people who can't see the video you have a big long white beard which is weird because you're how old are you right now <laughs> I'm 20 years 20. old. I do have uh, white. When I when I do forget to shave for a few days, I do have white hair. I don't. Beard, I don't buy it. Funny. I don't buy it. I was going for the joke. <laughs> um, well, so so tell me how Voters of Tomorrow started. Then you had your Twitter following. Um, did you start with your local high school and get people to help out, or or how did it start? So it's actually a very funny story because uh, generally we would start from the bottom up. In this case, I was just kind of thrown into the national sphere mm. from the very beginning. Uh, Alyssa Milano, who is obviously a very famous actress yep. and who many of you know. Yeah, has been a guest uh, on our show she, as well. She's great. I love her so much. Yeah, she's great. Uh, she DM'd me like out of nowhere on Twitter and let me know that she was putting together sort of a youth group to work and figure out how to turn out the youth vote. So she threw me in with a lot of other amazingly impressive young people. And we started thinking about how we could really make something happen. And by this point, VOT was still VOT's voters of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. uh, at this point, we were still really small, but we had like a very dedicated team. So I was in the youth group that Alyssa had put together. I was not only really speaking for myself, but I was speaking for Versa Tomorrow and the 10 or so people that were with us at the time. So And they're we, from all over the country. All over the country. I mean, we have people right now who just moved to college uh, in D.C. and they're from California. Mm -hmm. We have people who are from Pennsylvania and are currently in Ohio. We have people who are in high school in Florida. We have people who are in high school in Connecticut. It's people from across the country. It's it's great. Amazing. Uh, and I was speaking for Voters of Tomorrow and really trying to use Voters of Tomorrow as a tool to launch whatever project we decided to go forward with Alyssa. And we ended up settling. Uh, a few of the people in the youth group were from the class of 2020, and we graduated high school during the pandemic, including myself. So we decided to tap into that sort of energy that people who were very excited to graduate and didn't have the opportunity had sort of hidden in themselves because we knew like I was very excited to go to graduation and like I wasn't able to do that. So we created a campaign called Prom at the Polls, which was sponsored by Versa Tomorrow. 
and which most of her team worked on. And the idea of Prom at the Poles was to use that energy that you had and were so excited to go to prom to wear the clothes and the outfit that you had bought to go to prom and to take that to the polls, to ask people out on a promposal <laughs> and invite them to go voting with you. And through Alyssa's network, we were able to get amazing uh, participants. I mean, I'm a Star Wars nerd, so my life was entirely made when Tara Strong and Mark Hamill decided to go to uh, prom at the amazing. together. Incredible. Uh, I, I know uh, Grace, who leads VOT's messaging still, she was a huge Grace Anatomy fan, and we were lucky enough to get the entire Grace Anatomy cast and Station 19 cast to prom polls to each other. So they were asking each other <laughs> how to prom, go to prom polls together. And that really gave us sort of a launching pad because we had done this big thing. I mean, we reached 80 million young, 80 million young people wow. without it, spending a penny. So we had this huge kind of launch pad that just threw us into the atmosphere. And all of a sudden I was having like very high stakes meetings with very high, with very high ranking people across politics talking about how we could kind of integrate the same logic that we had used in Prom at the Polls, which was doing what young people care about and using that as sort of an incentive to get them to care about politics. And it, through all of that, Voters of Tomorrow just kept growing and growing and growing. And now we're at this place where we are one of like the leading youth orgs. And we have, there's like 65 people on our national team. We have chapters in almost half the states in the country. And that's not even counting campus chapters who are amazing. And they're like the backbone of the organization because they organize on the ground. So it's great. I mean, it's really been sort of, impressive to just like close my eyes and like think back because we have grown so much over the past years and in large part it's really just because generation c has like a this impressive fighting spirit and like we've we've gone through a lot and we're working to make sure that the next generation doesn't have to go through all of this again thank you yeah and what an incredible story and i <laughs> Definitely, it seems like it's exceeded your expectations for uh, what the organization would would turn into. And and you're right, a very unique way to instantly kind of launch on a national stage as opposed to starting local and building out from there. Um, and I guess that's also the power of, of social media and, and, and how you can really organize effectively on social media, and you do that. Um, there's... A few issues that are incredibly important to all of us, um, but the organizing around them, especially in recent years, has really been led by young people. I'm talking about climate and gun legislation, others too, but really those two especially. Uh, even though we've been really frustrated by the filibuster, Democrats have managed to pass some gun legislation, first gun legislation in, in uh, years, and with the Inflation Reduction Act, the biggest investment in our climate in history. Uh, is Gen Z celebrating these victories? Is it motivating more young people to get to the polls and support Democrats? They are, yeah. And I mean, you can you can look at this with the way that they're reacting in the polls. Uh, we were, I, I don't remember which pollster did this, but approval of Biden over the last six weeks has jumped something like 13 points. That does not happen by accident. Uh, the Democratic Party has 
to their credit, done a lot of listening to us. And obviously, as a youth organization, we're always going to want more, right? We we have very specific, uh, a very specific agenda of things that Gen Z wants. But the Democratic Party has really started to adopt at least a few priorities like guns and like uh, climate. And they've really made something out of it. And listen, I, I think that the fact that it's just Democrats doing this is a very concerning point, because at the end of the day, Gen Z and young voters are the people who are going to decide the entire election, not just in 2022, but in 2024 and 2026 and 2028. And when the Republicans decide to just ignore their demands, or at least a large portion of them do, that's when it becomes clear that the voters of tomorrow are really having to decide between two completely differing ideals. And one side cares about democracy, one side cares about listening to their constituents, one side cares about giving people a seat at the table, and the other one simply doesn't. The other one will try to overturn an election because they lost. They will make fun of young people. I mean, I was seeing Ted Cruz and Carrie Lake dunking on 20-year-olds just a few weeks oh, ago. Yeah. And Go come after Olivia be, Juliana at your own risk, by the way. <laughs> we love Olivia. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm friends with her. She is absolutely amazing. She's the best. Yeah. Uh but yeah, I mean, you really see that they are not interested in appealing to young people, which is very concerning because young people are the people who are going to have to elect them tomorrow. So, and when I say two sides, I don't mean partisan sides. I want to be very clear about that because there are some people who identify Republicans who are sensible. We have Republicans who might simply not be voting for the Republican Party that exists today because they the Republican Party that exists today has simply gone off their rails. And... We also have some Democrats, and I won't name names, but I think everyone can think of the two that I'm talking about, who are simply not interested in passing legislation that's the most important to their youngest constituents. So it, it doesn't break off as cleanly as two parties, but the sides are very clear. There is a side fighting for democracy and a side that isn't. And Gen Z has very clearly picked a horse in this fight, and we're going to win it. Hmm. I love it from from your mouth. Um, speaking of winning it, uh, we we have some bellwethers of late that have been very encouraging. Really feels like we have uh, some blue wind at our back. Your organization is focused on uh, twenty congressional seats right now that are key to uh, holding on to the House and uh, that are going to be decided by young voters. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so uh, Voters of Tomorrow did an entire analysis of the entire map, and we decided which of the most competitive seats across the country were had two factors. Uh, the first one was had an anti-democracy politician running against them. That is someone who voted to overturn the election. That is someone who denied that Biden won the election. So out of the districts that had those people running for re-election, we decided to then figure out which districts could young voters flip by themselves, right? Which districts could young voters decide the elections in literally just by turning out without having to worry about the partisan lean of the seat. And we identified 20 races where young voters, if they turn out, will decide the winner of the election. Uh, 
these range across the country. They're not all the seeds that you would think about, but they are seeds that we are putting special emphasis on because those are the seeds that will not only show Gen Z's political power, but it will also very likely determine whether we have Speaker Kevin McCarthy or not. Mm. Like I said, even though we are a nonpartisan organization, we I think everyone understands the danger of giving the speaker's gavel to someone who will flip on a dime, who is anti-abortion rights, anti-climate change legislation, anti-gun legislation, and who will go kiss Donald Trump's ring just weeks after he led and tempted coup. So we are working very hard to deny him the speakership, and with those 20 seats are going to make the entire difference. Um, that's very compelling. So you mentioned prom to the polls, which is genius. In those 20 states, uh, what's working? How are you getting uh, young voters engaged and, and showing up? And then part B to that question is how can we all help support that? Because we all know how important that is. Yeah, so uh- Promet the polls work in 2020 because it was a very specific yeah, circumstance. Exactly. If we did promet the polls again, it would it would fall flat on its face. So in 2020, we in 2022, we're having a completely different sort of ball game. Uh the first sort of step to making sure that young people turn out is what we did last month. We went to Philadelphia to the Leaders of Tomorrow Summit, which was Gen C's first ever political summit. And we brought together the top 150 young political activists, political change makers and organizers, because we wanted to hear from them and we wanted them to hear from each other so that they could each figure out how to tie their efforts together and make sure we're all moving in unison as we work, as we go into November. That's powerful. So that was the first step. And I'm sorry. That was the first step, and it is something that we have been working towards for over a year. Planning the summit, figuring out who was attending, uh, was a very, very important part of all of this. Now, was there was there a specific reason why I wasn't invited? Or I'm just kidding. I'm old. I get Uh, it. (laughs) I've gotten this question a lot. Uh, No, no, no. I'm kidding. I didn't mean to interrupt. No one wants. No one wants me at the leaders of tomorrow summit because I'm like the yesterday's leftover sandwich. all good. I will. I'll make sure to send over an honorary Gen Z certificate. <laughs> oh, that you can that's nice. I wasn't fishing for that, but that's nice. I don't think my daughter will let <laughs> me yeah. accept that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, sometimes you just have to ignore the kids. Politicians do it all the time, and it's not working out for them, but it might work out there for you. Go. Okay, ignore my daughter. That's your <laughs> advice. I'll I'll let her know. <laughs> but yeah, so. And now that the summit is over, we have been closely working with a lot of the people who attended to figure out how we can best support their strategies inside their communities. Because someone who lives in Texas 34 Congressional District is going to know the district much better than me living in Long Beach, California is. So that's one aspect of it. The second one is most efforts to turn out young voters are not led by young people. And that it has a very important effect on the success of those efforts because it is very different to be called on the phone by someone who talks like you and sounds like you and uses the same language than you do than to be called by someone who talks like maybe your teachers or your mom or your grandma even or me and i get it <laughs> or you <Right>. yeah. <laughs> 
And when we're having these conversations, it's very important that the people who we're talking to who might be low propensity voters feel like they can confide in the person who they're talking to, to ask something that they might not ask in school. When is the election? How do I vote? Do I need to register? Can I get a mail-in ballot? All these are questions that maybe people wouldn't feel comfortable asking to someone older because they would be sort of not embarrassed, but sort of just ashamed that they don't have the knowledge. Also on that is a giant, and when I say giant, I mean giant, the numbers are just staggering, and I close my eyes at night and just see a giant number that's so intimidating. But we are running a giant texting program to make sure that every single young voter in all of those 20 seats and in most of our target states for governors and Senate races as well, have the information that they need in order to go cast a ballot for the candidates that will stand up for democracy and will stand up for youth rights. So we have been, we are starting to run that program in just a few days, and we are very excited to get all of our chapter members involved in it and obviously volunteers across the country to participate in it. Finally, we are also running what we call a first of its kind youth digital engagement and outreach program. Mm. And the reason why it's the first of its kind is not just because we're running ads to young people. That's been done so many times in the past. But because all of those ads are sort of a ladder of engagement, we're not just telling people go vote. We're providing opportunities to, yes, go vote, but bring a friend with them to also sign up for a text or phone bank, to go hand out information at their school, to join the chapter, to help register young voters to actually take action that will lead to not just them voting, but will not only triple, but quadruple or even went to ripple. I don't know what the term is. <laughs> I was told um, there would be no math, but okay. <laughs> I dropped out. I, I had to drop out of engineering because my brain couldn't math anymore. You're saying the result of that. Uh, but yeah, so that's also a very important part because we're not only just all of our efforts are not only leading to more people to vote but they're also bringing in new volunteers and new chapter members who will then make other people vote in addition to just the standard ads that everyone else runs so it's a mix we also have some very fun programs uh planned out many of which we will run we will uh, launch over the next few weeks and months as we ho- go into GOTV mode. But we are very excited. We're gonna we're gonna continue to make voting fun. We're gonna continue to make civic engagement be a part of young people's lives, and we're gonna make sure that 2022 has record high youth voter turnout. And I will say one more thing because I include this in every single conversation that I have about this and I can't not include it here. We're also going to show the fascists that they pissed off the wrong generation. Yeah. So we we're going we're they came they came for everything that they wanted and we're going to come not just take it back, but really change the country to reflect what Gen Z believes in. It's so great to hear all that um, because I know how uh, how large and effective your organization is and and the reach that you all have that you really are, are you know implementing all of this stuff and the um you know it's kind of like relational organizing uh you know the force multipliers of getting people involved and having them bring more people along and having them come and organize alongside you but that's something that you know uh really works when it's 
you know, a young person talking to a young person. It's just, there's a common language there that we do our best to navigate, but there's no substitute for the real thing. So that's really, really encouraging. Gives me a, a whole lot of hope coming into the midterms when I'm already low-key excited about the midterms, although scared to get too excited about it because we have a lot of work to do. Um, <laughs> having said all of that, uh, our last question we ask everybody, uh, what gives you the most hope for the future right now? Uh, am I allowed to say two things? Yeah. Because they, they are... So the first one is the people who I work with every day, the Voters Tomorrow team, both at the national, state, and local level. They are some of the most inspiring people that I have ever met and I probably will ever meet. I mean, some of them got involved when they were 10, 11 years old and have somehow continued to work. I mean, many of them are still like 13 and 14 years old. It's insane. It blows my mind. It makes me feel so old and I'm 20. Uh, but they, they're genuinely so committed to the mission of turning out young people and representing our generation that it is simply like all like awe inspiring. Every time I talk to them, I know that we're in good hands because if a 13 year old is already doing this work and talking the ways that they're the way that they're doing if they have the knowledge that they already have when they're 13 and 14 15 we're in very good hands when those people start taking office in just a few years so that's that's sort of the first group mm -hmm. the second group includes those people but is significantly larger and that's Gen Z as a whole. I mean, we saw them come out in 2018 when we were first eligible. We saw them come out again in 2020, and we're gonna see them come out again in 2022. And Gen Z has this it factor to it because we have grown up in very unique circumstances that have simply not teared down anyone's spirit. I mean, uh, I was born in 2001, just a few uh, months after September 11th. We, up until Biden ended the war in Afghanistan, we had lived through our entire life being at war. We have gone through economic recessions. I think we're number three now. Uh, we have lived through a global pandemic and hopefully not a second one, but who knows what monkeypox is going to mm. be. We have grown up with our friends and peers, if not getting shot themselves, knowing someone who mm. has been shot. Mm. And all of us have had gun violence scares at some point in our lives. And despite all of that, young people still are fighting to make the world a better place. Even the world that any country that has filled them repeatedly they're still fighting to make it better because they believe that fundamentally this generation can fix it and make sure that the people who come after us don't have to go through everything that we have. And that spirit is not something that you defeat. That is not something that you lose. That is something that not only wins elections, but fundamentally reshapes the way a the country and the world thinks. And I deal with these people every day. I see them at school. I work with them. Uh, they're my friends. They're my classmates. And they are simply a force to be reckoned with. And the sooner that our politicians realize that, 
the sooner that everything will start to become better. Wow. Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. You are an incredibly resilient group. And um, as a father of a 20-year-old daughter, um, my heart breaks that she has had to go through all the things that you described. Um, But uh, I see the resilience in her and in her peers and in all of you. It's so inspiring. And um, man, this interview has gotten me really fired up and excited. Let's do it. <laughs> the, uh, the website, the place for people to go is votersoftomorrow.org and um, share it with everybody. Sign up to a local chapter. Share it. Um, if you're like me, you can share it with your kids. If you're younger listening to this, then make sure you sign up. Santiago, thank you so much for, for joining. It, it was great to meet you, by the way, at the live show that we did. I was really excited that you came to that, and um, it's a pleasure to talk to you. So great to meet you. So great to talk to you, and let's keep it going. We can win this November. We can defeat the fascists, and young people are going to be the, the ones that do it. Thanks so much for tuning in today. This is how we win. We win when we all get involved. Uh, We want to hear from you. Do send us an email at hello at howwewinpod.com or tweet to us at howwewinpod. And I'm at bluesboysteve. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or wherever you get your pods. We need to knock the fascists off the charts and get us up on there, and that really helps do that. Share us with your friends and family. Uh, This is how we win. So appreciate you being here. We will be back with some more next Wednesday.